whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. Hello. Hello. Hey, Justin, how are you doing? Good, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you so much. My first question for today is, what was a lie uh, you were told as a child? Oh, many lies. Um, of course, you know, because we're coming up on Christmas, I was lied to about Santa Claus, which was very devastating at some point in my life. <laughs> but, um, but I seem to have gotten over it. Um, but when it comes to, uh, and I still love Christmas, so, you know, I guess it was okay. Um, but when it comes to lies, they tell our children, uh, there are many lies they tell our children that are far more dramatic and consequential than, uh, being told about Santa Claus. Um, on the second track of the record, uh, one of the things that we talk about is the fact that the oil industry understood that the product that they were making was heating the planet. Um, they understood it in the 1970s as a result of their own scientific research. And um, when they realized that this was the case, the CEOs of the oil companies decided that it was bad for business if people knew this. Um, of course, they're, The, the oil company scientists were not the only scientists who realized what was happening. Other scientists realized it and they, they sounded the alarm. They were saying, hey, you know, burning fossil fuels is very bad for the planet. We're heating the planet up. It could have dire consequences. So what the oil companies decided to do was they launched a public relations campaign. And it was actually a disinformation campaign, meaning it was meant to confuse people about the science of green, you know, global warming. Um, and really that's kind of what's led us to this climate catastrophe that we're in today. Um, almost every, um, almost everything that you've heard about climate change not being real it was actually a lie that was fabricated and and created by the oil industry and um and put forward into the public by people working for them so it's kind of amazing think about anything that you've heard about climate change not being real and i can almost guarantee you that that came from the oil industry And uh, they actually, in the New York Times in 1983, they ran a, uh, an, an op-ed, an opinion piece. And it was, it was an advertisement, really, run by Mobile Oil. And um, it was called Lies They Tell Our Children. And so that, that and you can look it up online, you know, mm -hmm. just type it in, you'll see it. Um, but that was, you know, kind of the beginning of their giant, disinformation campaign to confuse the public about global warming and their role in it. And of course that inspired us to write the song, uh, um, uh, God, I'm blanking on the name of my own song. Um, <laughs> laugh, cry, smile, die. <laughs> and it also, and it also inspired us to name the record lies. They tell our children. Yeah. It's kind of cynic to name an anti-flag record after, uh, ad campaign uh, campaign by the oil industry but yeah it uh, it still works and again uh, you address 
many problems that are going on in, in this world, not only uh, climate crisis, like uh, you also address uh, the ongoing war and the injustice, especially in the USA, uh, the medicine uh, problem with your healthcare system. Um, how fun is it to uh, rise an anti-flag record like because every song you did uh, has a really strong political message so mm. yeah yeah you know yeah I mean I know it's serious but there's you know writing an anti-flag record is honestly like a ton of fun I mean this and this record in particular was really special because um, I hadn't spent any time with the guys in a year and a half you know And we're, we're friends, you know, like a lot of bands don't get along. Like we, we are actually friends. And because, um, the pandemic, of course, we couldn't be together, especially for me, like my father's elderly, um, during the pandemic, I was his main caregiver. So I had to be extra careful around going around people, you know, and, uh, I mostly spent the pandemic with my dad, you know? So um, after we got vaccinated, we were like, okay, look, you know, we can actually get together. And, um, and, and so, and when we started to get together, the pandemic was still like, you know, most, most, like most of society still was not open, you know? So, um, we had a lot of time to write, you know, and, uh, and, to, and to just get together and play music. So because music and punk music, especially is like our passion, it's really fun writing songs, you know, and, and there was a lot of energy in, uh, you know, and then of course, when we talk about serious topics, um, there's actually like an excitement in finding a way to expose a lie, you know, or, or to carry forth a message. And when you, when you figure out like, Oh, this is how we can do it. That actually generates a lot of energy, you know? So it is, the, and it is like, there's that moment that's like, an exciting moment. It's like, Oh, this is how we can do it. So actually making an anti-flag record is fun. I mean, I think when, if you like came to a full anti-flag practice, you would see that like two thirds of the practice is us talking and just laughing about things or discussing things that are important to us or talking about our lives together. And, and then the other third of it is actually like practicing our songs, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And it's still going on. I can hear your drummer Pat still playing here. <laughs> playing right now without me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so much fun, even if you're not there. Um, uh, you already mentioned uh, your song, Love, Cry, Smile, Die. It was the first single you released from your record. And, um, Yeah, as you said, it's a it's a really danceable song. Still, uh, it messages a pretty serious topic. Um, when you released it, you uh, told your fans that this was uh, the best version of anti-flag you've ever became. Um, however, you invited many many guests on your record to become that version. So, how did this idea uh, came up uh, to um, feature the songs with so many guest stars? To be honest with you, there are so many ways to explain this. And I think everybody in the band has a different version of this now, you know. <laughs> um, number two will tell you that he had this idea 
from before we made the record, you know? Okay. I will, I will tell you that it happened as the songs were written, you know? <laughs> and, I, and I honestly think that we're both right, you know? Um, ultimately, you know, we've always kind of collaborated with our friends on our records, you know, every, every once in a while we'll have a song and it will remind us of somebody or something. And then we'll ask them to sing on it. Um, I think that with this record, there were two factors. And I think this is where number two is correct is that we knew that we were going to release a lot of songs before the record came out. You know, we knew we would release a song and then wait a couple of weeks and release another song and release another song. And when you're releasing songs in that manner, number two thought it would be exciting to have a featured guest for each one. And, and, and the reason to release the record in that way um, for us was that our previous record came out and then the pandemic hit and then we didn't get to play any of those songs or really release them to the world and so to speak and we didn't want that to happen again so we made up our minds very early on that we would release songs as in the way we have mm -hmm. you know and it's been cool because like when we play a show this weekend people already have these songs so, and we can play them and people know them and, and it's fun for everybody. So, um, so I think the number two is right in that way. I think also though, um, for me, it was more organic while we were writing a song to think about who fit the song well. Like for example, with uh, Victory or Death, in my mind, I was like, this is an anthem. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of the Ozen. We should ask him. You really, you it, really did. Why writing the song or really putting together the song so oh, that might fit for Campino? <laughs> it, it really did. This is the honest truth. Like I and I even said it to the guys. You know, wow. number two was about Lars from Rancid, and I was like, "That's cool," but I, we've already worked with Tim from Rancid, and I would love to do something with Lars in the future. I was like, "Let's ask Campino for this," and. Um, so, you know, not knowing if he would say yes or no, but it was so cool that he said yes. And I, I think he just made the song so much more special, you know, mm -hmm. um, he just did an amazing job. So, but that was sort of how it, it came. So I think that both of our theories of how this happened are, are correct. <laughs> <laughs> and so did uh, Campino fly uh, to Pittsburgh? Or was he recording in his own studio? Yeah, yeah, he recorded in his own studio. Um, so he was in, in Germany when he recorded. And, uh, but, you know, we had a lot of back and forth and he would send us, you know, what he recorded and then we would talk about things. And then, you know, the idea came up, would he be interested in maybe try to do some in German? And he was like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. And then he was like, well, this, these these words don't translate really to sound good you know yeah so victory maybe, or death would be Sieg oder Tod it's uh, kind of yeah I know what he means <laughs> yeah yeah so but then he was like well let me what, what if I write some words and of course for us we were like fuck that's amazing like yeah please you know so um, it, it just like was a really fun experience you know he the best part about Campino is 
he was so enthusiastic about it. And once he agreed to do it, he fucking did it. You know what I mean? Like he, it wasn't just like, Oh, I'll sing on this and send it to you. You know, he was like, here it is. If you don't like something, tell me if we need to change something, let's work on it. Like he was like really involved and, and that I think it shows because I think it turned out really good. Yeah, Eternal, really awesome. Like I said, it's an anthem. Uh, really, I really got chills while listening to it. And um, don't judge me, but I got some Christmas vibes out of it because of the melodies. Uh, is that a coincidence or did you really think, yeah, let's do something like that? It's it's so funny because you're like not the first person. Everybody's telling really? me this. I think because it is Christmas time now. So uh -huh. everybody's Christmas, you know. It wasn't written that way, but when it was all done, we, we, we thought the same thing. We were like, this sounds like it could come out around Christmas, which is why we waited until this time of year. So that was like, a classic, <laughs> okay. like it's a, it's like, it's a sad song and a serious song, but it's also a hopeful song. And, and it, you know, I think this is a hopeful time of year for people. So it just made sense. Like, let's wait till Christmas and then it, it, it'll fit. And that's cool. I mean, I'm glad that you said that. I, I like that, that people are feeling that with it. Totally. Still, uh, there are four songs on the record with no guest stars. Uh, why is that? Did no one fit to that songs or uh, did you ask some guys uh, or girls and they said, ah, no, I don't want to do it. Or maybe there was problems with the timetable. Yeah, coming back to number two's version of things, um, these were going to be the songs that we would release before the record came out. And also it started to get harder. We, we had, we were running out of time really to get anyone else. So after we, after our last like guest appearance, we, we stopped because um, we only finished the record a couple of weeks before it had to be turned in to come out on time. So we had a very small window um, at the end. And also we mixed the record like on tour in Europe. Like the, like we were, our friend who was mixing it was sending us copies of the song and like literally the last notes that we made for the, for the mix notes were on an airplane. Wow. And we were like, he would send it to us. We would listen, we would make notes and then send them back to him. And, um, We just really didn't have any more time. So, but I think like eight is a lot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And the producing is awesome. The mix is awesome. And the songs are already anthems. So uh, good job, if I may tell you that. <laughs> uh, uh, about the topics, uh, again, you underlined that the album and your band itself uh, is an anti-war statement. Um, the war uh, which is going on in Ukraine affected us all this year and uh, I kind of had my difficulties because I totally understood why Ukraine uh, is, uh, is asking for weapons and that we deliver weapons to them. Still, I don't want to lose my pacifism. Um, you may know what I mean. How uh, does the discussion about that topic look in a band like Anti-Flag? Like you are an anti-war anti statement. Still, you can understand why Ukraine wants to defend themselves. 
Well, I think, it, it, you know, I think we really are an anti-war band and we have a song on the record called Imperialism. And I, you know, it, it, it's it's an anti-imperialist song. I I think that we we are against war in the terms that we were against Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine, you know, and, and I do believe that people have a right to defend themselves. Um, you know, I, 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 I believe in that. I mean, I, I don't. I don't categorize myself as an outright pacifist at all because I, I really do believe in self-defense, you know, and I, when a, you know, I, I think that the, the war in Ukraine, the reason that so many people who would normally say war is wrong at all costs, I think that the reason that people feel differently about this is it's so obvious how this war started and that a nation that was not um, not being aggressive towards another nation uh, was attacked. And, and, and for that reason, you know, it feels like a a very different circumstance. Um, And I think we can all put ourselves in the shoes of the Ukrainian people, which are that if anyone, you know, if another nation just rolled into your neighborhood and told you, you know, now, now we're in charge. None of us would, would be okay with that. Um, I do think it is important though, that there are diplomatic channels open and that they're looking for a way to resolve this peacefully. Um, I mean, I have to be honest though. I don't think that from the very beginning, Russia has not been honest about about being sincere about coming to a diplomatic solution. I mean, they lied up until the tanks were rolling into Ukraine, you know? And so, you know, I think you have to be, you know, go into negotiations with your eyes open and, and realistically. And unfortunately right now, it just doesn't feel like there's, there's another pass out of this yet, you know? And I, I, when there is, of course, I, I'll support a peaceful solution. And I think that that's important, but, um, yeah, so, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different, um, circumstance. I, and, you know, like, again, when the United States invaded Iraq, I was totally against the United States doing that. You know, the United States was an aggressor nation rolling into a country that had not attacked the United States. And that was wrong. This is the same thing happening in Ukraine. And um, so we'll see uh, where things go from here. It's, it's not, it's obviously a terrible situation for everyone. And, um, and you know, the, the thing too, it's really personal for me because we've spent a lot of time in Ukraine and we have friends in Ukraine and we've spent a lot of time in Russia and we have friends in Russia, you know, and I'm in contact with people who protested this war in Russia and really ran for their lives to like get out of the country, you know, mm-hmm. people that knew that they would end up in a, penal prison colony for speaking out against the war people. And, and we know people who are, are, who got arrested in Russia, who are in jail um, for saying no to the war. And those people are really brave. Um, But I think it's important for us to recognize that um, we can't just look at someone and say, Oh, they're Russian. They're bad. Or they're German. 
they're German, they're bad, or they're good, or they're American, they're bad, or they're good. We have to realize that there's a, a lot of, of humanity, uh, and it's important for us not to lose our, our humanity and understand that there's good people everywhere, and unfortunately, there's bad people too. And it's important for us to um, to support our allies and all all over the world. And I and that message for anti-flag stays intact. The idea that we can't just uh, judge someone based on you know a place where they were born. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. The, the same way we shouldn't feel uh, like something better because we were born in certain places. So, yeah. Um, heavy, heavy stuff. So let's uh, come to a little bit lighter stuff. Um, one of my uh, first questions was about the best version of Anti-Flag you guys have ever been. Um, and your band is going strong for almost 30 years now. And if you allow me that personal question, um, since NoFX shocked me a few weeks ago uh, for calling it quits after 40 years, um, do I have to be worried about anti-flag? <laughs> Did you ever think about, wow, that's going on for 30 years right now? <laughs> God, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, right now, no. Um There's our lives have changed quite a lot, you know. Um, some of the guys have kids now. Um, there has been a lot of talk of touring less, you know. Um, and to be honest with you, I just I don't have an answer for you there. So it's um, things do change. There's there's no doubt about that. I mean, but I am someone that enjoys um, playing music and being on the road and. Uh, you know, especially just the meeting people like and, and connecting with people such as yourself, you know, I mean, that, that's really the relationships that we make when we're on the road is really the best part about it. And, and it's, and it's about realizing sort of what we were talking about earlier, just that there are good people everywhere and there are people fighting for the right things everywhere. And, you know, it's, I think it's easy to feel like you're alone right now and that the world is just going to shit and there's this rise in right-wing neo-fascism and um you know the world is headed in the wrong direction um but the reality is like the best part when we tour is that we meet activists in every town you know we meet people in every town who care about the things that we care about who are working to make the world a better place and and we realize like oh wow we're not alone in this and we have a chance you know and there are there are good things happening even though we don't hear about them in the news all the time um and you know i like it and it's i'd like show to be that i like it to be a reminder to everybody that comes that like hey you're not alone um And, you know, if you if you care about uh, making the world a better place, if you're against racism and sexism and uh, transphobia and homophobia and anti-Semitism, then, hey, you're in the right place. Like we're we all feel the same. And um, so um, for that reason, I I like being on the road and, and helping to to bring people together but it's not only for the people at the show but i think it's also a reminder for myself and my bandmates that like um hey we got a chance in this world so let's let's not just give up 
even when it looks bad out there. So I guess that's a long answer to your question, but um, for now, <laughs> Now I can tell you that we'll be touring next year. <laughs> All right, no, I I really look forward to it. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, my prediction is that NoFX will be back in two years anyway. So oh, I you mean, think I, so? I don't know. What, okay. what, what are those guys do? They're going to go home and realize that they just need to be back on tour. So I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think Mike is starting like 20 other projects right next week. So yeah, someday I hope we will come back to this. <laughs> All right. Justin, thank you so much for your time. I really look forward to see you guys live again. You'll be uh, in Europe uh, next summer um, uh, at Spamfest. I will be at Spamfest in Austria. That, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Yeah, well, definitely make sure you say hi. I will. I will. I totally will. And I, I asked some guys if they can arrange a meeting. That would be great. If you got it, man. Great to talk to you. Take care. All right. Take care. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rocking podcasts.